Hello folks, welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current sports social worker. On today's episode, we're joined by Daniel Gordon, former collegiate basketball player at Memorial University and current professional basketball player with the PEI Island Storm and Newfoundland Royal. We'll be talking about the three perspectives of Daniel's experience as a high school basketball player, a collegiate basketball player, and professional basketball player in the mental health perspective. We discuss changes in the mental health system and initiatives that have been brought forward, such as the student-athlete mental health initiative. Thank you and enjoy. And folks, we're back with Daniel Gordon, former collegiate basketball player and current professional basketball player, formerly with PEI Island Storm and the Newfoundland Rogue. Thanks, Daniel, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Really appreciate you, like I say, connecting with us today to talk around the athletic experience and how mental health can be an impact there as well. So for yourself, what's been your experience in terms of high school level, the collegiate level, and the professional level? Um, so I play professionally now if I ever got a chance. But before, I played um, in Ajax, Ontario, which was my high school, Ajax High. Um, I played three years there. Um, it was a great experience. Um, but we never really spoke about mental health. And when I was in high school, that was never a subject. It was more of a subject of if you're mentally strong, you're going to just battle through everything. But it kind of kept the underlying issues like under the rug. And we never really got to spoke about it. Um, as I went to college, it was the same thing. Like you have to be mentally stronger. Um if you're mentally strong, no one could defeat you and everything. But like, there's other complications that could get in the way. But when I got to Memorial University, um, there was an initiative called the Student Athlete Mental Health Initiative, SAMI. And I went to meetings and after I just want to like, speak to someone else about it, because I was feeling different types of emotions that I didn't know how to communicate about. So like, anxiety was a main like, problem for me because like I anxiety doesn't necessarily have to be like a frantic emotional state but sometimes like nervousness or just doubt will create create that anxiety for me and as I got to professional sports I learned more about sports psychologists and how great players really talk to someone about their mental like mental problems or even if they're having a little bit of an issue, they'll have advice to how to deal with it. And I got to learn more by watching videos and being a part of the SAMI initiative. But like, I'm not fully educated and I'm not fully there where I want to be able to be like, I understand mental health and I know where to go. Because till this day, I still don't know where to go if I want to deal with that stuff. And I think that's some great points because oftentimes, you know, if the conversation is being had at all, mostly it's around sport performance in terms mm-hmm. of, okay, how do we battle through? How do we make sure, you know, we got the mindset to perform at the highest level, mm-hmm. but it's never talked about in terms of how do we take care of, in terms of anxious thought, depressive thought, in terms of other mental health concerns. It's oftentimes looked at in terms of, okay, you're an athlete and that's why you looked at. You're not looked at as a human. Yeah, exactly. I understand some people have God-given talents, but like mentally it is, there is burdens that linger on. For example, you did say performance and I do believe performance is 
a heavy trigger for mental health because the moment you have a bad game, you just necessarily think it's performance, but it's not. You could have just been anxious today because you went through something in life or something. You know what I mean? And that's a great point because, again, oftentimes people forget that at the end of the day, athletes are humans as well. They come with their own you know, lived experience. They come with their own stories. They have their own family, friends. They go through their own daily events. So mm-hmm. sometimes, again, it's easy for us to think, okay, well, they didn't score as well from the free throw line. Or they didn't run as hard. They weren't playing defense like they normally do. But we don't know what's going on behind the scenes as well. Exactly. So for yourself, after uh, your time at Memorial University, you played professional, like I said, with PEI as well as with Newfoundland Rogue. Was there any conversation in the professional leagues around mental health or mental support? Um, no, I don't think there was. And it's, I won't think it, I won't try to throw a knock on to these leagues or the professional level, but there was no conversation about it. We never had someone we can go to about it. And it's kind of a slippery slope going to your coach because we don't want to seem like we are weak or we have excuses because some coaches don't like to hear all of that stuff in the background because you just seem like a distraction. So it was more of trying to deal with it yourself or you can speak to your peers or you have family members at home. You can outreach somewhere else. But when it came to the eternal um, organization, it wasn't really talked about as much. And in a way, and oftentimes I've heard numerous athletes say this, if there was a third party individual who had no direct contact in terms of or influence with, you know, playing time with the coaching staff, someone else that athletes could turn to to feel safe. Because, again, one of the biggest things we often talk about in terms of mental health support is that an individual has to feel safe and secure and be able to trust who they're confiding in as well. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. And um it's just like anything, just going, speaking about your emotions is a really difficult subject in general, whether it's sports or not, and you only open up to people you trust. And I do believe if there was a third party where we know we can go without any consequences or repercussions, I think it would be a benefit for athletes. And you talked about in terms of performance, is off, you know, it's one of the big triggers. Why would you say are some of the, you know, the biggest pressures that professional athletes do currently face? Um, if I have to put it in my perspective or like my experience, um, for example, I shoot the ball. So like if I have a bad shooting game, I just feel like I'm useless kind of thing because like, that's what I do. But like, normally I just try to like not get into that mental space at all. But like someone else could feel that if like what they do is not, they're not doing it to the level they think it's appropriate, not only their coach, it could weigh on them a lot. and it could really trickle down and become a tumbleweed effect. So it become your performance. Then it becomes your body language. Then it becomes your just mental ad- attitude. You're checked out the game. And then it's just downhill afterwards kind of thing. And like you said, I like how you talked about how they're all connected, how one part of our mental health can impact so many other areas. And I thought about it when you talked about moving from Ontario to Newfoundland to play with the Seahawks. You know, that must have been a transition move as well. I said, moving away from your support systems, move from Ajax, Ontario to St. John's, Newfoundland. So again, all those transition points can be difficult at athletes in terms of, okay, normally, you know, I'm home, I got my support network around me, but, but now I don't have that. So how did you define that transition for yourself? Um, the transition was actually not as bad as I thought it would because before I moved to Newfoundland, I lived in um, Peterborough, which is also a small town. Um, 
but it wasn't really this small town. It had to do everyone in the city. Like the moment I moved to Newfoundland and everyone knew I was playing at Mun, the whole community embraced me. So it felt like a second home. Um, teammates have their parents out here. They bring you in for dinners and just really create a bond and a family amongst the community, not just your teammates and everything. So till this day, I could walk on, around in the streets and everyone will know who I am and when I played and stuff. And I think that kind of eased my way because I just felt like a second family was coming in and I always had their support and they always wanted me to do my best. So, And it's great to hear, like say, you were able to kind of find that sense of community. Because again, mm-hmm. oftentimes that isolation, that's where you know mental health concerns tend to grow in terms of isolation and that sense of, okay, who am I? Where am I? meant to be and why does this look like but it's great to hear they had that you know surrounded and network around you mm-hmm. what would you say are some things that you'd like to see implemented no matter if at the high school level the collegiate level or at the professional level to take care of athletes mental health i believe that since now um, mental health is becoming more aware i think every team and maybe schools should have a sports psychiatrist or someone they could really talk to to like pick and choose exactly what is affecting this athlete or student or child or man, woman, anyone. It, I think a sports psychiatrist could really help being able to talk to someone because a normal psychiatrist or a therapist does help the average human being able to just express yourself. You feel like a weight's been lifted off of your chest when you say the words you needed to say. So I do believe having that third party is a stepping stone or even just training teachers or training coaches how to do mental like mental health first aid that will also help too because there's spontaneous times where you could just have a mental breakdown or an anxiety attack and it will be good that maybe who is your leader figure is your coach can be able to talk you down and you know it really knows what's going on with the situation to get you back in a really stable mindset and I think those are two some great points. Again, you know, having someone connected that you know understands mental health and been trained in it to work with athletes. Because again, you brought up a great point where you know therapists can come in and, and talk to individuals, but again, someone who also has knowledge of you know therapy, but also has knowledge of sport. Because again, sport has its own culture as well. So ha- mm-hmm. you know, having that deeper understanding. And I love the part around the education for coaches because again, at the end of the day, you know, the coaches have to understand the language, have to understand the culture of mental well-being as well. Mm-hmm. It is true, and. I know there's some coaches who are better in the new era with mental health, but there are some coaches that are stuck in the old school way. And I'm not saying the old school way doesn't work and it does work in certain aspects. But when it comes to mental health, just telling someone they're mentally strong or be mentally strong is just not enough. It's very vague because there's a lot of mental health, um, different types of diagnosis where maybe it's just not he's not feeling in his mind. Maybe it's his body or her body. They look in the mirror and they just don't see the same person they envision. So it's not about being mentally tough and you can't say tough it out. You can't really do that. So you're right. Having a sensitive language to that person and saying the right things to them can really break them out of that. Because at the end of the day, we often talk about, you know, one of four individuals are going to face a mental health concern at some point in their life. And statistics show that for athletes, and especially elite athletes, the number is even higher, sometimes one out of three, due to not just the life experiences that athletes have, but in terms of those additional pressures, in terms of the, you know, the way media uh, mm-hmm. portrays athletes, in terms of you know looking at it and saying, okay, are athletes a vulnerable population? And sometimes people think, okay, well, athletes are you know they're elite, they're looked up to, they're this high-class population. 
But again, that's oftentimes what prevents athletes from feeling they can reach out and talk about their mental health. Exactly. For, for yourself, was there ever a conversation among other teammates around mental health or just find it was mostly pretty hush-hush among teammates as well? Um, I would say it depends on the team because some teams are closer than others. And maybe there's some teams are clicky, some teams are just as one. I believe that I've been in different groups of teams where we are all as one and we speak about all of our mental problems and like how it affects us. And we do come to a solution together as a team to how to deal with it, because sometimes it does feel like it's your coach versus a team, not in like a, a, like a villainous way or like a rude way, but like you are on the court with these guys more and they're more of your brothers or sisters on the court. Right. So it's easier to talk to them because they see what you see sometimes. So, but there's also teams where you're just not as close as a team. So like, they wouldn't even ask you how your day is. So like you would never have that conversation about mental health or anything. That's some great points. Cause again, you got to feel, you know, you got that trust, you got that, that rapport relationship to be able to open up. Cause again, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get built overnight either. Yeah. If you talked about student athlete mental health initiative was a big support for yourself. What are some mm-hmm. ways that you, you cope with the pressures and the stressors of being both from being a student athlete and now being a professional athlete? I'm still working on it to this day, how I cope with it, but there it's an on and off situation is like what you said before because it really hit home is like based off performance so like I really try to not base how I feel on performance but it's hard not to say that I don't but the way I deal with it is try to keep my regular routine so I try to do every game day the same even before practice the same like little things to keep it routine so I just know how to keep my headspace whether it's listening to music going on a walk, eating my favorite dish. I feel like doing the little things in life that make me happy really does extend to the game or extends to any sort of pressure when it comes to sports. Um, But I know like dealing with it, I would say I'm 50-50 because there's some days where I am anxious. I am, I wouldn't say depressed, but I am pretty sad about certain things. And certain parts of sports does weigh on me a lot more. Maybe it was like something that happened between teammates, even though I try to brush it off. Maybe it was something serious. I Like it all situational, but the way I try to cope with it is just try to enjoy the little things in life and just know that it is a sport and it's a child's game and men play it. And I just always remember like as much as I love the game, like if I still love it, I'll be able to handle all of these pressures, whether it's my body hurting, my mind hurting, as long as I'm having fun with the game and I continue enjoying the little things, I feel like it keeps me pushing, keeps me going. And it sounds like in a lot of ways, he's reminding yourself, hey, there's, as much as I love the game, as much as I'm putting the work in, there's other parts that can make me happy as well. So it's not basing our happiness just on the game as well. Exactly. So like, I do understand, like some days I would just go in the gym and just shoot around and that would make me so ecstatic, but if I was having a rough week of basketball, like I don't want to play more basketball. I kind of need a break. So I would probably just go to my favorite chicken spot or something, or go for a hike, go for a bike ride, go for a walk or something. You know what I mean? And I think that's a great point because one thing I often talk about with different athletes, coaches and other individuals is around the athlete identity. Cause oftentimes when, you know, an individual's career is it is ending or towards the end of their athletic career, it can be difficult to know, okay, who am I now? Because again, for a majority of my life, I've been 
know, a basketball player, I've been a hockey player, I've been a soccer player, mm-hmm. but who am I now? Because again, for 70% of my, of my time that I'm awake, I've been involved in my sport and sometimes even more than 70%. Mm-hmm. That's totally true. Because I'm not going to lie, I had that moment when I was done my university career. I had that whole identity crisis is like, I was always known as the basketball guy is like, what now? But like, it, you're right, it doesn't end at basketball. And it's just how you put your men like how you mentally think of things, and how you move forward. But luckily, I did get a contract after high school to play at PEI. So like, it did kind of help my mental, but like, I'm not gonna lie for like three months after playoffs, I was like a little bit under the weather. And how'd you cope with that transition? Because that can be tough too, knowing, okay, well, what's the next step for me? What's that going to look like? Um, I really, I, I kind of got, how do I explain it? It's just, I kind of accepted that if basketball wasn't going to be there professionally, I could totally impact the community with basketball too. Because when I was working, um, when I went to MUN every summer, I was a camp counselor for their um, summer program. And I just loved it. Like, even though it was 80 kids we have to take care of, like, I will remember all 80 kids' names. I would do all the little things and, like, become their friend and, like, make them love basketball. Because when I grew up and I was in those camps, there was guys who were in college, women that were in college, that motivated me, that made me want to be a better person, not just for basketball, but, like, there's more to life than basketball. And I wanted to be that voice for the little kids. Because, yes, basketball is amazing. Sports is amazing. And it could carry you to tremendous lengths in the world but like you also need to understand like sports isn't everything so like i'll always try to encourage like yes be the best in this but also enjoy your youth like you you can still go to the park with your friends you can still you can have a balance with both you can still train really hard but also be a kid and have fun and i think that's a great message of knowing how you can enjoy both and you don't have to fully commit every minute every second of your life to one individual sport you can be able to branch out and kind of find out other parts of your identity as well exactly cuz i do wish when i was a child like my mom did stick me into just basketball but like before i even liked basketball i was a huge baseball fan like i remember i used to be in the backyard picking up stones hitting it with a stick like i always wanted to be a baseball player so I guess that resonated with me throughout when I got older. So I just tell kids, like, don't worry. Like, you have so much time in the world to do everything you want. Just try. Like, just try. So The other part that I like that you talked about in terms of, you know, I still want to stay connected to the game. And even when the, a lot of research around athletes in terms of identity and figuring out, okay, what's the next phase for me is taking care of an athlete's mental health in terms of that transition point, you know, still keeping them around the game in some way, if that's involved in coaching, if that's involved in scouting, if that's involved in training. Mm-hmm. It's a great work, part of helping an individual transition and find the next step for them. Yep, I totally believe that as well. Because just... There's something about sports is like whether you watch it or play it, like the love for it always like comes back. So I do understand like even though you're not playing, just watching, coaching, inspiring the next group of kids would obviously take you out of that um, identity crisis because you still feel like you're giving into the game. In terms of all their services that could be put in, we talked about in terms of having you know a third party person involved there in, ter- in terms of having coaches being educated around mental health. Mm-hmm. Do you feel in terms of the athletic community that athletes would be more open in terms of, you know, a group environment where you had someone brought in, you know, very much sounds like what happened in terms of Sammy 
or would just think that more on an individual one-on-one lens would work more for athletes? Um, I would say the Sammy initiative was great. Um, it was ran by uh, Lindsay Taylor. She was on the female basketball team. That's what, who introduced me to it. But it wasn't only just speaking about things. So, for example, we had like four different varsity sports do yoga together. And she brought in an instructor and we all did yoga together. Like that's a step in the right direction because yoga obviously helps your mental state. But you also see like your whole peers and every other athletes with you doing it, too. So I felt I felt like a community was brought there. Like she even made like dodgeball games. And then we spoke about things after. So she kind of like lightened up the mood to like within a sport or a team event. And then people felt comfortable to talk amongst each other. So I do believe, yes, it's easier to learn about mental health with your peers. If your peers are willing to learn too. like if you're both going in as new seeds to be planted, I feel like it works out better because for me, like I didn't want to go to the Sammy initiative. I didn't know nothing about it. And then she said, it's okay. Like, there's going to be a bunch of us. It's not like going to be a boring workshop. And since that day, like it helped me throughout my university career, just going there, having fun, knowing I had a bad week of basketball, like the Sammy initiative would bring a bunch of athletes together just to do fun things. I've, it helped me in my career. So I think that would be another way to implement it. Like put programs to get teams involved. Like I know teams do like team gatherings, but I feel like that should be more implemented because if you're around each other in a fun environment, you're more likely to connect outside and then try to have that small conversation. And I love that part in terms of, you know, make them more athlete focused as well. It reminds mm-hmm. me of an initiative that was started there in Texas there with uh, Dr. Emma Gill. He was part, he's a sports social worker in the USA. Uh, and what they would do was they would have, you know, open gym they would have different individuals with mental health backgrounds there just to talk with athletes but it wasn't set up as a you know a clinical session it was set up with okay you know what you come in shoot around we'll have a couple you know just fun competitive uh, games and you can just you know talk openly which kind of makes it more of a kind of a relaxed feeling because again if you walk in it's a set up environment with a desk and a chair you know in a small 10 by 10 room you know most athletes aren't going to feel comfortable just open up there. But if you put a ball in their hands or put a hockey stick in their, in their hand or, you know, soccer ball in their foot, you know, that's going to open up the conversation a lot better. I totally agree. Because I do believe if the desk is there all there, it just feels like class again. So no one wants it to sit through that. But, yeah, having the basketball or even if they brought, like, just a big game of tag before we go talk, it's just anything to bring us back to our innocent ways so, like, our mind's more open. I feel like when you're more innocent and more like not naive, but a child's mind, you're you're willing to soak in information more than just stuffing me at a desk. Yeah, and breaking down those kind of you know walls and barriers because again, you got someone walk in with you know big fancy suit, deer coming into small office, briefcase. You know, not many athletes are going to feel comfortable open up to that individual. But if you can see that person, you know, just having fun, having a game of tag, you know, just living life and being open to kind of you know any conversation then that's going to be able to build that rapport stronger yeah that's definitely true before we get into the rapid questions there daniel is there anything else you feel that athletes should hear or coaches or anything you'd like people to know around the experience of being a collegiate and professional athlete in perspective to mental health um i do believe that um every athlete should speak to someone if they're feeling any sort of 
anxiety or type of mental health, whether it's how you look or how you feel, like you should really talk to someone about it because someone could relate to you, whether it's your peer, your parent, your coach, or even maybe your athletic director. There's like a lot of places of authority where you can go talk to. And I understand it might be scary at first, but you need to dip your foot in the, like the pool to see the kind of temperature, you know? Um, I, I firmly believe, and I wish someone when I was younger told me that was don't be afraid to talk to anyone and don't try to face your demons by yourself because sometimes you just make it worse for yourself. So it's always good to talk to someone, whether it's your peers or an older adult or even a sports psychiatrist, if you get one yourself, I feel like it's always good to talk to someone. No, great points for sure. Because again, sometimes it's hard to have a conversation. But like I said, once you do feel comfortable to open up, it takes that weight off, you know, individual shoulders. Yeah, really does. Uh, like I said, really appreciate you, Daniel, joining us there courtside. So one thing we often do in terms of wrapping things up, you know, is you know almost like rapid questions we ask. So it's just two or three quick questions there, and just kind of first thoughts to come to mind. Okay. So again, you know, we call ourselves courtside wellness because we believe that, you know, the most important conversations happen courtside. In your opinion, what makes a well athlete? Someone who just knows themselves. And when I say knows themselves, they know their boundaries and they know their limits, but they also know how to get themselves out of it. Like they know how to control their emotions. They know how to maneuver their way and they de-escalate certain things or even escalate a certain emotion that's needed. It doesn't need to be angry or anything, but you can escalate a positive energy to other people. So I do believe like someone who's really in tune with themselves, who understands their mind, their body and how it works and just tries to keep life in a half glass full more than empty. I do believe that's an well athlete. No, I love the answer because again, you know, emotions are a big part of it there for sure. So being able to recognize and know how to respond to our reactions is a huge part. For, no matter you know, during an individual's athletic career or even afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say has been one of the moments that will always stick with you, you know, about your athletic career? Um, I would just say how far I made it from where I was. Um, I legit was recruited to one school coming out of high school. And then I was able to make it to U sports. So I really wanted to play university basketball and just be able to start from the bottom, work my way up back to, even if it's just AUS, I do believe not everyone gets a chance to play university basketball. And I was a pretty decent player playing and I'm really proud of my career. Whether it's, I didn't really care about the accolades at the time because when I first started, it was all about being the best me, and I got all the accolades I needed individually. I just wanted to be a part of team success and a team culture that I know that was going to turn things around. So, like, that was my main accomplishment, just from where I started to how I ended. I will never change it for the world. No, love to hear that, like I said, in terms of being able to see the full picture of it there. Mm-hmm. And... What is one thing that you would advise young athletes today? Um, I'll advise young athletes today to like follow their dreams and don't ever let anyone limit you to what your dreams are. Um, for example, I remember in high school, some one of my coaches told me I was going to be a street baller, just a straight up street baller because I played with too much 
I wouldn't say fancy, but I just play with a lot of emotions and theatrics because I just love that part of the game. And then it that took me to heart. Like I wasn't just a street baller. So I'm just saying, don't let anyone decide what your journey is. You decide where you want to be and where you want to go. And you can just shoot for the, shoot for the stuff. What is it? Shoot for the stars, aim for the moon. Like just go full head in. If you want to be in the NBA, don't let anyone stop you from being in the NBA. If, it doesn't if you fall short from it who cares you tried you put the work in there's probably going to be a better opportunity maybe than the nba like playing overseas you're the star player you can make more money who knows but just don't let anyone kill your dreams awesome words of voice and the last one we asked is what brings you happiness today i would just say where i am in life just makes me happy um whether it's like music or me going to work, like I just always have a full glass full of energy or like positivity. So no matter what, I always see the grass is always greener. I remember younger, I was never had this mentality before, but as I got older, I just realized just being alive, healthy, I'm able to play sports whenever I want. I go to work, make money. Like it's just... I live a pretty simple life, but it's not really complicated. If I have a chance to go play basketball, I can. There's no real limitations to me or anything. So I feel like right now, just being where I am and soaking in everything with the pandemic and all of that stuff, I'm just naturally just positively happy. Awesome. No, really, you know, glad to hear that. And really appreciate you coming on Courtside Wellness with us today. Talk about your experience and talk about your words of wisdom. And like I said, hopefully, you know, create more conversation around mental health in the sport community. Yes, I'm so happy you had me here. Um, This is one of the subjects I do like talking about the most because I can educate myself while also giving my point of view. And mental health, no one knows exactly every answer to it. So it's good that I'm able to talk to someone about it. And, you know, it kind of eases my mind today, like you said, like, someone you trust or someone you want to open to. I felt very trustworthy of you and this conversation has been delightful and I just feel like a weight's been lifted off my shoulder kind of thing. No, glad to hear that because again, three things we stand for here at uh, Wells Athletic Services are around, you know, bringing awareness to mental health in the sport community, providing athletes with a voice and promoting social change. So hopefully, you know, change will happen as the conversation grows. Hopefully. Appreciate it. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode and want to check out other episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple, Audible, and Podbean. You can also follow us on social media at Wellness Athletic Services on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions or ideas for the show, feel free to email us at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. Thank you and stay well. Mm-hmm.